0: Thanks, kids, and thanks that we have been reminded that we are to be a church that reaches out to people. We are to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples, and we want to be a church uh, that turns the hearts of children to the fathers and the hearts of fathers to the children. Um, Happy Father's Day, dads, by the way, and we are glad that you are with us this morning, and we are thankful for you and your work in our lives, and we are in a series on Acts and chapter 2 is where we're at today, verses 42 to 47. If you want to turn there in your Bibles or if you have a phone and have an app to get there that way, that would be awesome. But this is a series where um, we look at what the children have taught us this morning and that is to have a heart for the nations, that God's church is to be about reaching people and discipling people. And we looked last week at Acts chapter 2, the first 41 verses, and saw the Holy Spirit come upon the church, and were given power that they might go and do this in His strength. And so I'm going to read verses 42 to 47 this morning, and then we will consider it this morning, Acts chapter 2, 42 to 47. It says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you speak, God, that you love us, that you care about us, that you want us to hear from you today. And so, Father, I pray that you will uh, take these words now and and teach us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the church in Acts chapter 2, as we saw last week, operated and functioned with unusual unity an unusual sense of mission and really an unusual sense of power and we'll see that again today it says that they were in awe of all that was doing that God was using the church to change lives and to bring people to himself literally by the thousands were coming to know Christ as Savior. And this is God's plan, that the church would be the primary vehicle for the accomplishment of His mission, which is to gather a people to Himself that would praise Him and worship Him and live for Him and enjoy His blessing to His honor and His glory forever and ever. That's our aim. We call it real-life transformation, that people will come to know Christ as Savior and grow in Him, and that we would be then a church of multiplication, Whereas we as disciples of Christ would then pass that on to others, both individually, but also as churches. It would be people who reach others for Christ, but also we would be a church that plants other churches, that the gospel would continue to go forth. And this morning, this text says that these people, these disciples devoted themselves to some things, some disciplines that made them a church of great unity, sense of mission, and power. And these were items that they committed themselves to. They were they were really items of sacrifice, disciplines of sacrifice and action. And it reminded me that really anything that really is of some value in God's church is, carries the message. We have the, the, the message of the greatest value in the whole world requires sacrifice and requires discipline and ref- requires us to give it our very best. And it's a challenge to the church this morning, I think, as we look at these things to be those kinds of people. So let's look at the four things that are in the text. First of all, the apostles' teaching. Second of all, the fellowship. Then the breaking of bread and the, the prayers, it says in chapter 242. Start with the apostles' teaching. Uh, this is where we began at Risen Life with the teaching of the scriptures. The church, it says in 1 uh, Timothy 3.15, is to be the pillar and the foundation of the truth. Ephesians 2.19 and 20 says that the household of God, the church, is to be built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. That we are built on the teaching of God's word and his holy scriptures. And, and this is kind of a basic strategy for us at Risen Life. Let's teach the Bible and then let's do it. That's about it. Teach the Bible and do it. It is this message that draws us together, that makes us a church of unity and direction and mission. It is a God who reveals himself in Scripture and he tells us how we can get right with him through the gospel and that this message changes our lives and then how to walk with him in blessing through obedience of his word. I know that I would speak in my own life that it is what keeps my marriage together as we have a common playbook that we function by as a couple. It's what keeps our finances together, that we agree on how we're going to handle money according to God's word, that it keeps our relationships together, that we are going to be people of grace and forgiveness. These are the things God's word instructing us that guides us and leads us into the blessings of God. In this word, it says in, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, it says, for the word of God is living and active Sharper than any two edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. But this word comes and speaks to us deep in our being, convicts us and changes us, handles our thoughts, convicts us. And it is something that all of us must give ourselves to to hear and to read, to understand. There is a life we just want to teach it so that we get to hear it together. And we encourage you to be people of the book and study it and explore it and wrestle with it. It is a life-changing message, and it takes time for it to sink deep into our souls. And so to wrestle with it. We give you freedom to come and listen and work and, and and wrestle with us and what it says. We understand that there are some fundamentals that we must agree on, who God is and what he's done for us and how we get right with him. But there's a whole lot of things that we can disagree with and and wrestle with together and still be and have people and be people of of fellowship. But we want to be people who love the word of God, right? We give ourselves to it. They gave themselves to the apostles' teaching. Second of all, they gave themselves to fellowship, um, to the fellowship. Um, This word means to have in common. They shared life together. They shared time and they Committed themselves to each other. It says in verse forty-six of our text this morning that they met in the temple square, and that they met also in homes or house to house. And we are going to be people who aim to do both. We want to be people who gather on Sunday morning. All of us. This is an important time, a valuable time where we come and, and hear and think about God's word together and get our sense of direction together and where we are going as a people. And the Bible says that when we gather together, the Holy Spirit meets with us. Uh, we don't want to be casual about this. It's so easy to be casual about coming to church and gathering. We don't want to be casual. I was talking to a neighbor this past week. His name's Patrick, and he lives across the street, a down, down a couple houses. And I call him St. Patrick because he has wild pot- parties in the summer, and uh, he's an interesting fellow. But his name's Patrick, and he was telling to me, he was saying, you know, I went to that church It's about 200 yards up the street. He goes, I went to that church as a child. He goes, and, I, and I've moved into a home that's about 200 yards from the church so that I don't have to go there. This counts. If I'm within 200 yards, it counts me as being in church on Sunday. And so I'm just here close to the church so I don't have to go, right? We don't want to be those kind of people, <laughs> right? We want to be people who come and be a part of what's going on uh, at, at Risen Life on a weekly basis. We want to come and we want to serve. Come with a heart to serve. Um, be a blessing. We often say, come and worship one service and then serve on another. That would be a great way to both serve and to worship together. Come and then hang out after church and meet one another. Encourage one another. Be a blessing to people around you. And as we saw this morning with the children, let's be a church of the generations that connects the generations. Parents with kids, kids with parents, parents with grandparents, Let's be a church where we interconnect the generations uh, and serve God together. So they gathered in the temple, they gathered on Sunday, and then they met house to house. There must be a smaller setting where we meet, that we gather as a, in a smaller setting where we can have real relationships with each other. Some one-on-one, some in smaller community groups. But We've got we to gotta have places where we can be honest and real and transparent with each other. I have people throughout my week that I text, some that I have coffee with. I meet on a uh, a community group once or twice a week, depending on the time of year, for relationships that encourage me and strengthen me. Uh, This past week, we were at the food bank in Salt Lake City together as a community group, and we boxed over 200 boxes of food together for seniors that don't have the capacity to pay for their own food. And, And we had so much fun. And it's just great to be able to do that. I wouldn't wouldn't do that on my own if I weren't with other people that were encouraging me to be a part of the community, right? I I wouldn't do it. And and I have to, and here's a confession, right? And you might fire me after I say it. But there have been hundreds of times through the years, either on nights where I had a a community group that I was going to meet in or on a Sunday morning when there was going to be church that I didn't want to come. Hundreds of times. But you know what? I've showed up, both as a layperson and as a pastor. Of course, you pay me now. I kind of have to show up. But, but even as a layperson, I showed up because I knew it was the right thing to do. And I have been blessed beyond belief because I just made that choice over and over and over again when I didn't want to. And so let's be a people of the discipline of gathering uh, at the saints. All right? Let's do that. Another word for fellowship actually that shows up in these verses is generosity. It comes out of the same root word of sharing and having in common. But it says, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Isn't that amazing? He said, okay, there's such a need today that we are going to gather our possessions together in common and we are going to share them as uh, they have need. Now listen, when we read the book of Acts, this is important. There are things that are prescribed and there are things that are described, right? And in the book of Acts, there's an awful lot of things that are just described. It's not telling us we should do it, but it's what they did. And this would be a case of that. There's nowhere in the scripture where it prescribes to have all our resources in common and to share them that way. But but these disciples did that, led by God, and it was a great, great sacrifice that they made. And I think it's a pretty uncomfortable thing to even think about that, right? For all of us to give all our possessions, put them in a pool and distribute them. That's an uncomfortable thing. But I think sacrificial giving at its best is uncomfortable. When we give in a way that God wants us to give, it is uncomfortable because I think that comfort and materialism and safety and resources makes us sluggish, makes us complacent. And so we want to give in a way that makes us uncomfortable. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verses 2 and 3 that they gave out of their extreme poverty and gave beyond their means with a joyful heart. Right? That's what they did. That's how they gave. And we challenge people over and over again out of Malachi 3.10 to bring the full tithe into the warehouse and see if God won't bless us more than we can hold. I had a call from my children here about two weeks ago and they called me and they said Dad, tell us how you have handled your finances over the years. We want to know your principles that you have followed in your life. We've been encouraged by you. How did you do it? And so I share with them lots of things, and we asked a lot of questions and bounced a lot of things back and forth. But at the end of the conversation, they said to me, is there one overarching principle that you would say has put you in the path of blessing with God? And I said, be generous and give the First and the best to God, beyond even what makes sense to you. I remember when we got our first paycheck as a c- young couple. We were 21 years old and married. Didn't know what we were doing, and uh, right, a- and our combined pay for that first month was $900, and we were so excited to give, and we wrote a check for $200 out of that $900 and gave it to God, and we ran out of money. <laughs> and we went home to mom and dad and said would you give us some money (laughs) we had to make some adjustments (laughs) we were too generous (laughs) but we've gone from there forward and never stopped and it has been the most important thing in our finances it has been a miraculous journey so fellowship thirdly the prayers Uh, they committed themselves to the prayers This movement of God is rooted in prayer, that God is the one who does the work, that God is the one who saves people, that God is the one that disciples people, that if, if God doesn't do it, nothing happens. Apart from me, you can do nothing, Jesus said in John 15, 4. There's nothing more encouraging to me than when you say to me, and many of you do, I am praying for you, pastor a movement of prayer everything we see god do is rooted in prayer we must cover our days in prayer and it is not difficult and yet it's very often uh, avoids our mind when we're driving pray when you come to the counter at walmart pray for that person that's checking you out when you're walking pray when you're changing a diaper pray for the child when you're cooking dinner pray for your family when you're going into a meeting Pray for the people that are going to be in that room. Just be a person of prayer. God works through prayer. Let's be a people of prayer. And there's so many opportunities. Please take advantage of them. Have somebody that's just a prayer partner that you just share your concerns with, that they pray back and forth for you. Come to Wednesday night. Now, the summer, we're taking the summer off, but starting again in the fall, there's a Wednesday night prayer meeting here at the church. Come and, and pray. And this is my one Father's Day thing. Dads, pray for your kids. Pray da- I pray daily for my kids. Pray for your kids. The best thing I think my father ever did for me, and I saw him do it just about every morning, is he was leaning over the stove. He'd turn on the stove to stay warm in the Seattle area. He'd right, turn on the stove and warm up in the kitchen area. It was early in the morning, and he would lean over there, over the stove, and he would just pray for us. And he prayed two rebellious sons into the pastorate. Pray for your kids, dads. And finally, uh, the breaking of the bread. Uh, they committed themselves to the breaking of the bread. What ultimately brings us together in unity, and ultimately gives us the sense of mission, is this thing we call the gospel. That Jesus died, and he was buried, and he resurrected. And this is the power of the church, is this message. And churches today have given themselves to all kinds of fancy things and all kinds of emphases, but we lose the gospel. And this is what the church is primarily about. And this is what changes lives. And this is what gives us power. We've got to be about the gospel. That Jesus came and he died. And on that cross, it says a couple really big things. One is that we are sinners. We've all gone our own way. We've all rebelled against a holy God. And yet, it also says that even though we were sinners, Christ died for us to show the love of God, that he loves us, knows everything about us. We were bad enough that he had to die, and yet he loved us so much that he was willing to die in our place, that when we would put our faith in him through repentance and faith, we would be made right with God. And through repentance and faith, we are put into his forever family by grace fully and completely accepted as if we were perfect children of the King through personal faith in Him. Apart from anything we do, just trusting what Christ did for us. So we are to enjoy that, and we will be celebrating communion this morning here in a bit, but to enjoy that grace and that forgiveness and that acceptance that we have in Christ. But the Bible also tells us that in the same way that we have been accepted by Jesus, we are to accept one another in the same way we have been forgiven by jesus we are to forgive one another and so let's make sure we're in the kingdom we're forgiven and accepted and then let's extend it to others let's let's let this place be an exemplary place of grace and acceptance and forgiveness and understanding that in that together we would have the freedom and room ourselves, and then to grow in the grace of Christ. The disciples committed themselves, the apostles teaching, to the fellowship, to the prayers, to the breaking of bread. And the Lord added to the number daily those who were being saved. Let's pray. Father, thank you for how amazing you are. Thank you for your word. Thank you God that you have blessed us as your people. Thank you for the gospel that Jesus is crucified, buried, and risen, and coming again. Father, let us walk in that gospel day by day. And We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: We're going to come to our time of offering this morning, so if I could get the deacons to come on up. You know, I love this passage because there's almost, there's just a lightness to what's going on, just a, just a joy. And you think about the ways that the people were just offering up the things that they had for one another, for the needs of the church. And I think what we see there is that the people are responding in worship. They've seen who God is. They've seen what God is doing, and they're saying, I will give out of what I have in response to who God is. You know, the Bible talks about in other places that we are to be hilarious givers, just almost like what Kevin's talked about. I get 900, and I throw in 200, and just, huh, let's see what happens, God. And I can say that's been true in my life, as I've been willing to give, that God has blessed. And uh, as we come this morning, I want to thank you guys for the ways that you have given. You know, me and Sean and our team just returned from Guatemala, and it's because of the giving that you have done that we were able to go. Now, we're going to hear more about that in a couple weeks, but I just want to say thank you. So as we come this morning, let's be like those in the New Testament that are willing to give, where we see need, where we hear God calling us to give, and we respond in worship. And so let's pray for our offering. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for who you are and what you have done for us in your son, God. Thank you for the millions of ways that you provide for us every day. And Father, as we see who you are, as we taste and see that you are good, help us to respond and worship even with our finances, Father. Help us to give where we see need. Help us to give the first fruits to you out of what you have provided for us. And may you bless these gifts. As they are given in your name. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
2: There's nothing worth more that'll ever come close. Nothing can compare. You're our living hope. In your presence, Lord. I've tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves. When my heart becomes free and my shame is undone. In your presence, Lord. come close, no thing can compare, you're our living hope. your presence, Lord. And i tasted and seen the sweetest of life.